We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, you've been waiting on this one, have you? Oh, you know you have. You've been asking me every week, where is Billy Marshall? Where is Billy Marshall? Where is Billy? I need Billy. Billy's back. He's standing by. It's the Roar Podcast, episode 183. I'm John Ellis. Billy's on the way here. And we're going to talk Panthers here. Look, there's not much more to say other than they're 1-8. and eight, but There is a lot to analyze and break down. Uh, Billy and I have been doing this for a minute. We've been following this team for a long time through some of the great years. And we remember some of the bleak years. Uh, solutions are what we're trying to bring here. But there's also some accountability that needs to be addressed in terms of how did this team arrive at a point where you look at C.J. Stroud and the Texans and they're on all cylinders and everything's going great. And all the resources put into this deal, why is this team 1-8? Can it be fixed? What are the concerns? Billy, I'm sure, has a few. Maybe he has some solutions. You never know what you're going to get here on the Roar Podcast. It's sponsored by Price Picks. I'm John. Here comes Billy Marshall, coming in hot right here on Blue Wire. Welcome to another episode of the Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. Your host, uh, Billy Marshall, joined by my co-host... John Ellis, as always. John, ready to strap in? We are sickos, man. We're back for season four. And and look, we had a few weeks off. Your schedule, my schedule, it's been nuts. But uh, there's no shortage of topics, man. I've been lonely, man. And I know our schedules have, have been just like nuts. But uh, I missed you, bud. It's time to time to get in here and figure out how to fix this team. Yeah, it's um, it, it's certainly been very... Uh, interesting uh, to kind of, to say the least, just as far as everything that's been uh, occurring this season, and you know, I certainly have been um, very surprised at just their struggles, um, especially as someone who uh, you know voiced his opinion on you know all the draft and how things should kind of shape out. So, um, you know, obviously myself, it's it's tough to you know. For me and you, John, we don't get paid to do this. So if we're wrong, we're wrong. But we also have been um, not led astray, but it, it's been very humbling to say the least. Just this entire season, I can't remember anything like this. 2010 is like the only time I can um, honestly remember a season just spiraling out of control uh, in this manner. And yeah. and that was a little different because you had a head coach at the time who was already here for. Uh, near a decade so right uh, yeah john it's uh it's it's very interesting i just (laughs) what are you thinking well um it is inexplicable that 
this offense is not NFL ready whatsoever. Um, I've got deeper thoughts on this, and we'll get into it. And I, I really want to pick your brain on on the the offensive structure and and how just broken it feels to me. But the larger discussion, I think, is you know honestly, this team right now. You talked about 2010. John Fox was a lame duck. 2001. I look back at some stats offensively last night. There are some metrics right now, Billy, in terms of uh, you know situational production early down uh, run rate in terms of success rate. You think back of the Winky days and, and in terms of what they had, they still had like Steve Smith on the team. I am tremendously disappointed for the fans that this is the best they could field. And it's an indictment on the front office and the coaching staff. And the cherry on top this week is Frank Reich. And I thought it was a bad move on his part and a bad look to take the play calling back. Now, maybe it serves a positive purpose that we don't see. But the optics are terrible, and it's just one more bad thing. They're one and eight, Billy. This is very rare for this team. I know there's been some lean years. You know, let's just get straight to the point. Like, are you? I'm at the point now where I'm just not confident in this organization as long as he's the owner. Like, where are you at? Because right now, it just all ties back to him. I mean, you saw those clippings where you know he kind of interjected into a press conference talking about like not needing good wide receiver oh, talent because yeah, Bryce yeah. can elevate. And and you and I said the same thing, but that's still a very striking thing for an owner. I just, I don't know like if this team will ever kind of experience consistent success with him as the owner, if he's, you know, acting in this type of manner. Uh, I go back to what Pat Kerwin said, and look, we've seen this sometimes with owners and, you know, the Pagulas went through this. Obviously, Cleveland has gone through this with, uh, what's his name, the guy, the truck stop guy who wanted Manziel. Um, Jimmy Haslam. Yeah. Um, it, it, Kerwin, look, I love his opinions because he worked for Leon Hess. He worked uh, with Parcells. He went through this ownership transition, and he says, you know, ownership is everything. And it takes owners that come from different backgrounds, even though Tepper was part of the Steelers' minority ownership group, so was Jimmy Haslam. It takes owners time to learn how to own now i don't know if i buy that completely because these guys aren't idiots if we can sit here on a podcast and talk very rationally about simple measures to be taken to run your operation um i I think at the time here's the thing with tep you know yes it's frustrating frank reich talked about the point guard thing during training camp and the more i heard it the more i started getting uncomfortable about it the more i watched training camp the more uncomfortable i got with the offensive line in terms of not just the missing guards, Christensen and Corbett. I mean, you've got, obviously, Aquanu at left tackle, who was meant for a McAdoo offense, which, by the way, I said this yesterday. Billy, you remember McAdoo's offense was originally 11 personnel, and Wilkes got him in the room and said, no, we're going 21-22 and and 12, and we're going to run the shit out of the ball and set up play action. Frank did this back with the Colts. And back to your question, look, I don't want to ignore the Tepper thing. Yeah, Tepper's got to start winning some games. Now, he's the owner. You can't fire the owner. It can get really ugly really fast from those you talk to that cover the team a lot closer than I do. You keep hearing the word impatient. And you and I push back at times on that impatience. There's been shows where we have come on during the draft and said, hey, it looks like Tepper's letting his guys operate. I, I don't know what you think. I don't any any sort of rash, irrational moves right now would be just borderline buffoonery. Yeah, look, um, and that's just, you know, all of these other issues that are they kind of flow down it, it obviously just starts at the top so the scott fitter issue the frank reich issue the 
Thomas Brown issue down to the draft choices and personnel decisions from free agency. Traveling it, it, all just trickles, <laughs> it, it trickles down. And that's yeah. kind of just, um, you know, why I wanted to lead off with the ownership issue. And, and that's, that's why it's like, you can't really hide anymore from these decisions. Like exactly. you, you're the owner, you've been the owner for over five seasons now. No winning seasons. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, it's, it's tough to really uh, reconcile where you are because of just the state of the roster. And again, it, it's all a symptom. It's not just Matt Rule's fault. He, you know, no, Matt Rule has not. gone on and do his thing. But I'll, I'll just say this: you know, the Matt, both Matt Rule, all three of Matt Rule's years here, this offense was producing at a much more sound level than what okay. we're currently w- witnessing. It's true. I mean, you get it's you can't like it's one thing to lose. It's another thing to be shut out touchdown wise against a defense like the bears. And look, there's a lot of issues right now that are occurring offensively. Um, and I'm not going to let anyone off the hook. The quarterback in particular has not played well. I don't think we can um, ignore I that. We can, I agree. we can make all the excuses in the world and that's fine, but he has not played well. And this was a fear of mine is a lot of these bad tendencies that are being developed Mm-hmm. Will they carry on into yeah. 2024, 25? Like, I, I don't know. So bad habits, the inability to be cohesive in terms of separation with routes. The the offense does not give you answers uh, at the, the line of scrimmage for Bryce. It, it feels kind of like point guard ad lib bullshit. And the offensive line has been woefully disappointed, I think, in a large part because they're not constructed to run this scheme and this system, which is essentially five-man protect. And Bryce is now running. He's doing the David Carr dip, as I used to call it. He, like the controller gets a glitch, and he dips out of what sometimes can be a manageable pocket. He's creating bad habits. The footwork isn't great, and he's missing some open receivers. And the deep ball has been bad. He had one in Chicago. Billy, I'll let you go ahead. I just wanted to get that in. No, that's honestly the only good throw I've seen of him of late. Like, yeah, like there's pretty nice stuff in the short game. But like, I, I'm honestly like I've I've been watching other backup quarterbacks like PJ Walker and you know the guy in um Andy Dalton yeah even does last night Browning like the, yeah. those are all guys that are undrafted and they're making those throws too but you're number one overall pick it's expected to make difficult throws this is the hardest and, offense I've ever watched and I'm I, this is right up there with Clawson this it, no, it, I, I I said that after week two I was like look I'm not saying did. Bryce is Clawson I'm just no, saying this offense is producing like that one did I mean the, the last drive against Chicago Billy I was literally kind of like half awake there because I had a long day doing, you know, all sorts of things with the kids. And I turn around and it went still like, it was like seven minutes left. And before I know it, Al Michael said, two minute warning. Like, what the fuck? It was like a, it was a death by thousand paper cuts drive where they went 15 plays and only 50 yards and they have to settle. Another issue of game management where they call a timeout and the play they dial up almost gets picked off. Look, things happen in the NFL. I get it. And I know there's limitations, but come on now. Hayden Hurst had some success there. I know he's in the concussion protocol. He had success in, in Cincinnati. He's a decent player. Chark had some pretty good moments there in Detroit. He's not having any moments here. Mingo, I, you know, fine. We'll figure that out eventually. And Terrace Marshall's nowhere to be found. And Thielen is who he is. I know J.T. O'Sullivan's got that one-way beef going with him. But, yeah, he's a 33-year-old man who can catch balls in, in short area, and he's good in the red zone. But, no, and that's your number one weapon. Bryce does not look good right now. He, he does not look good, and it should be, uh, as you said, 
He should be held. It doesn't help for that, that CJ Stroud is an MVP candidate in his rookie well, year. No, it doesn't help. And and that's part of what the team. And let me just clarify before you go on. Like you and I were very accountable. You and I both had Bryce Young as our quarterback we one. Did. And so I'm not trying to hide from the criticism. Let me just be absolutely clear. But once again, you and I are not paid millions of dollars to make these decisions. You and I are just sitting in our right basement behind a computer screen just giving our own analysis have the luxury of traveling to each pro day and sitting down with these guys and you look i don't know what the selling point was ultimately people have said reich wanted stroud because of tall quarterbacks i don't think it's quite that simple but i do get this just reading the body language and the tea leaves i don't think frank is that happy right now and i think if i had to guess he's taken a passive role in this front office relationship with fitterer and tepper and he just kind of said, hey, guys, go out and get who you need. I'll give you my input. And he was Tepper smitten with our guy Brandon uh, from S2. And I know he's under a lot of heat right now. And I think that's somewhat unfair to him because extremely unfair. he said on the podcast, I said this the other day, he came on here and was very clear. This is not a, hey, he sucks and he's great test. You're misinterpreting it. It's the public's fault and those in the media that in the, the agents or whoever leaked it, I'm sure it's agents, um, that did this. Bryce, we saw on tape, we had Matt Bowen on, we've had other guys on, like Cosell. The guy had all the Burrow S intangibles and tangibles in it, but there's the inability to sit in the pocket and look relaxed and cozy like he did last year because even though the windows were tighter in Alabama last year, um, he's not reacting to the pressure well at all. And, and you saw it in the Colts game with the two pick sixes. Look, here's the formula against Carolina. Rush four, play zone, and eat. That's it because they have no run game. Yeah, no, look, it, it, there's just a, a lot of issues. And then you have this, go back to the ownership. I mean, the wife of the owner is now watching offensive line drills. Like, well, what the heck is going on with that? I have no idea. That? Like, I have no idea. You know, look, and, all, I, I and, like, that, and that just gets back to my question. Remember I, I, you and I after. Do you see that anywhere know, else? The wife of the offense, the wife of the owner watching yeah, offensive you, line I mean, drills? Have, no. No, D has them out there. Um, one of the problems with this, Billy, and you and I talked about this is all the diversity you thought we talked about. How do you get yeah, that all together in a short order? I, my, my simple explanation is Bryce Young is an undersized quarterback with small guards who get penetrated and they're hurt. Ike Aquano is no longer a viable left tackle in this offense. If this is what they're going to run, he should move to left guard. Miles Sanders has been a disaster signing. Chuba Hubbard is technically your best running back. Hayden Hurst is not going to separate with anybody. And you have boundary receivers with no dynamic skills to get open, and it's Hank Concepts. It's the same tired 11 personnel, three wide, one tight end, very little movement, and I'm not echoing what I see from JT and all those guys. I study the tape, and so do you. You know what you see. The screen game sucks. Fundamental things. Clock management. From the first damn game. I'm going to get off my high horse in a minute. The first damn game. They get Bryce Young pinned deep on the road in Atlanta. What happens? Oh, it's a holding call on a punt that goes out of bounds. And then there's a procedure. Was it a procedure or was it a delay of game? Probably a delay of game. And then, of course, you get backed up against two good safeties. Jesse Bates undercuts it. And that's kind of your ball game. And since then, Miles Sanders, among others, has not been the same. It's just been ugly. And this offense inspires nobody and nothing. And if you're going to suck, be the 99 Panthers. They weren't great, but they were at least 8-8, eight 7-9, and eight, seven and nine, and they were scoring like 35 points a game. Look, I hate bad defense, but what's going on in Houston right now, it's an eye-opener from a global perspective. It was a dumpster fire. You talked to Rivers McCown. You talked to John Crumpler. Look at what that franchise went through. 
and they get one guy, and then they get the next guy, and that's the head coach and the quarterback and the OC and everybody involved, and now they're cooking, and they don't have number one receiver. Nico's a great player. Noah Brown's a great player, but I saw Stroud play in person. Panthers actually held him to his lowest total this year. Panthers defense, not too bad, but Stroud is, is definitely next-level good. Bryce, we won't know for a while. And when you're using your mind to be elite and it's not working because you can't think because you're getting rikishied by three defensive linemen and it's the Colts' shitty defense and it's the Bears' shitty defense and they better fix it or else they're going to get fired. And that might set yeah. them back even further. And that's my final well, thing. Well, that's the thing. We don't, you know, this owner for as much as we like to say he's um, you know, very impulsive. He really hasn't made an impulsive move. Like he kept Matt Rule a year longer than he should have. And, you know, he didn't uh, necessarily, you know, there were some calls for Marty Herney to be fired and he kept him for a, a year point. longer. That's a so I, I don't want to say he's impulsive. I just think he's clueless. I've been following this team since 1995. My sons are huge fans and they've never experienced the good days because they're too young. My brother and I have been fans since 95. Remember the, the great days that we had with this team. And I've been very patient, and I've been very tame here. But you and I have been doing this show for four years now. And look, it's not exhausting. But it'd be nice to be talking about a team right now that's, what, 6-5, and five, and they have their offense you know, in rhythm, and the defense obviously playing pretty good, and special teams is good. But it's like no matter who you hire, um, it should have been Ben Johnson, but we won't even go down that road. No matter who you hire. Or Shane Steichen, for that matter. Uh, I like Frank. That's the thing about the owner again, because remember we heard the reports from Ben Albright, who seems, you know, semi plugged in, and he he said that Steichen didn't interview well, and Wright yeah, did. That's and, weird. And now you're looking at Steichen five and five with the backup quarterback who yeah. can't throw the ball more than 15 yards in the air. <laughs> so nice it, it's though. just. Oh, and by the yeah. way, you know, Ben Johnson, I asked Mike Kay again about this on the show the other day, and I said, Mike, just tell me point blank uh, on the air here. It, if Ben Johnson had not stepped out of that interview at the last minute, would he have been the Panthers coach? And he said, I have every reason to believe that that was the guy they wanted. And Ben, for a lot of reasons, I think it wasn't just the Panthers. He said, I can up my stock and certainly has. He was one of the guys I really wanted. Look, I respect Frank. I thought this could have worked, but there was always this possibility that Reich – didn't really have a clear identity from his days in Indy because it was a rotating cast of schemes and quarterbacks, and Jonathan Taylor carried that shit for a while. I'm going back and look at a tape of 2021, Billy, and it's all <laughs> two, three tight ends, and they're running the hell out of the ball. It's the opposite now, and uh, and when he stopped calling plays, Billy, here's what I thought. He looked like an actor that didn't know what the hell to do with his hands. Cody Alexander actually tweeted that earlier to me. <laughs> He's like, what do I do with my hands? So is he a CEO type? He's never done that. It's it's and that's part of this conundrum now. And Thomas Brown, look, he'll get a coaching job. Look, if any owner's stupid enough to think this is a blemish on his record, they don't deserve him. He's a good coach. It's I think it's just a personnel issue right now. But they're not helping themselves with the scheme and the in the game management. Yeah, so I'm not sure it's totally all personnel related. I do think that's a big part of it. And the personnel issue has just been misstep after misstep. And, and again. I, I want to separate what the Matt Rule regime until now because, like last year, everyone loved this offensive line. You re-sign Bozeman, you have Iki Kwanu in year two, you you know bring Zavala, you draft Zavala as a 
depth piece and you remember the discussion we had about Corbett potentially helping this offensive line, you know, that didn't really mm-hmm. seem to make a huge difference. Nope. So I don't want to just place the blame with previous regimes. This is on the current regime and their inability to I agree build a functional NFL roster so- defensively. I mean, it's not even – it's kind of bare parts. I mean, they couldn't rush the passer, but they still looked competent. Evero's and... doing a hell of a job. I mean, Bill, you know, you know how I think about Evero, and he comes from that you know scheme. And look, there's other coordinators out there maybe I would have preferred, but I love Evero's approach here, and it's limiting explosive plays and keeping the team in the game. There's three or four games they could and should have won, and then we'd be looking at talking about Bryce Young first year, not great stats, but they're in a playoff race in the South, which always sucks. That's the difference between fans losing their minds and fans being excited about the second half of the season. But they don't deserve that right now. They, they Look, this you get what you earn in this league, and this offense is so bad, and, and they make so many mental errors on top of the things. Let me ask you about Scott Fitter real quick. Help, help me understand. All right, so I had this debate earlier on Twitter, and I'm, I'm trying real hard to like walk the fine line between should Scott be getting – more blame right now than than I think he should be, or should he be like on the chopping block after this year? Um, Matt Rule had oh. the final say, and this is the last word I'm going to say about Matt Rule, but I think, to your point, I think this is a fair point to bring up, I want to believe that he had a lot of baggage to work through there, not having a lot of clearance to do what he wanted to, but we know that there have been some very aggressive, sometimes dubious moves made. At the time, I think you and I, here's the irony of it, though. You and I were catching flack from people on Twitter about how negative we were about the trade. Remember that? Well, the Bears yeah, trade? Exactly. And that just goes to show you, we don't have all the answers here. But look, if, if this team can't get better, I, I would like to give Scott one more year to see if he and Frank can build a roster that makes sense. Because Frank's been to the playoffs. Scott's worked in Seattle. But that means jack shit if you keep losing games this year. If they go like 1-14, I, I mean, look, I don't think it's a bad idea to go ahead and just reset this whole thing. Yeah, no, I don't either. I mean, it, we, we've seen it before. I mean, the Broncos fired, you know, their coach last year in the middle of a deal. I mean, the previous year, I mean, it's, yeah, it's happened before where coaches don't even make it through one year, but we also see plenty of times coaches go one and done. And, you know, for this team right now, I know John, you like to take it week by week, but this, you know, schedule, I mean, I mean, I thought they would have a good chance against the Colts and Bears, and it wasn't even close. Those are the ones. Those are the yeah, ones they and, needed and so have. now you have, you know, a tough game against Dallas, and then you go on the road mm-hmm. for three straight games, and two of them are in the division, um, you know, with Tampa and New Orleans. So, uh, so look, I, I'm I, here. here's where I am, I guess, as far as just – I think a reset is probably needed. And when I say reset, I mean everyone from the front office down to the coaching staff because I just I, – I don't – like unless things change. And right now I'm not necessarily optimistic things will change. I mean you're already seeing desperation. I mean Diana Rossini mentioned you know, a report this week that Bill there Brian. needs to be a significant – improvement in the offense and i couldn't agree more because right now this offense is just you know it's very generic i mean you've we've mentioned that many times and players are not getting better the wide receivers too that goes into the personnel evaluation and again i'll be the first one to throw my hands up i was a fan of mingo i still am 
But when you see other receivers taken in this draft, you know, the Jaden Reed and the Tank Dells of the world, who are also in that range, like actually they were drafted behind him, would, they're making an impact. And I know, Mingo but would Tank Dell be doing anything here? I know he's got the speed and he's a great piece, but I have such little, little confidence in, in what Slowick's doing versus what Panthers are doing. It, it, no, that, well, that goes that goes to what I'm saying. I, I don't necessarily think it's just it's a just personal yeah. misevaluation. I, I think it's everything, and that's why yeah, that's I personally feel that unless things change, I'll caveat it that a, a complete reset is probably needed for this organization so they can kind of cohesively move forward. Because I mean, even the the stuff with Brian Burns, it's like you're not going to sign him to an extension and then he's just going to be playing Franchise all season. Tag, yes. You didn't trade him at the deadline. And that's and how he... the season started. I mean, look, just a bad omen that that's looming over you. And Brian handled it like a pro and the team did what they could, but damn, that's, you can't tell me that's not something. And you could feel it. You could feel it for his brother out there tweeting. And, and Brian obviously was a pro about it, but you know, what a shitty way after coming out of all this positivity and excitement about camp. And it was a good camp, but you can't tell shit from camp. <laughs> what have we learned yeah. over the years? Billy, you talked about it. You, you, you were like, give me around like week two, week three, week four, and I'll start giving some assessments on what we're looking at. And I never in my wildest dreams, when you said that like in week one, two, never did I think it would get worse. It has become worse and worse every week offensively. The communication got a little better when TB was calling the plays in, but quarterback man they're poisoning him they're giving him no chance and bad habits creep in when that happens and i'm afraid that's part of what may happen with bryce if they don't correct this shit quick and maybe stop throwing it 40 times a game i don't know maybe sit maybe sit him and play dalton i don't i don't know what the answer is i don't you got a limited window with a rookie contract i get that you want to take advantage but i don't think dalton's the answer i i I don't even see how confused i am i don't even know if that's right because what's bryce going to gain from that it's just bad offense, bad weapons, and bad scheming. I mean, Billy, look at the tape, man. I know you don't look at much of it, but like, damn, what the hell? What are they doing on offense? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's, it's just like I said, it's just a collection of errors from you know the, a coaching staff that just hasn't been able to find answers, and then <sighs> you have a situation where the personnel staff has not been able to provide options that are currently working and so you have a just a very bad mix of um things that kind of lead you where you are today and moving forward and this is why i'm still just a little dubious of their outlook it's mostly because of the owner and i don't know like i mean why did ben that's the thing i keep coming back to is why did ben johnson drop out did he have an issue with the owner and his no kind idea. Of no idea. Situation. No. So like, I think ben that was, kind of just gives me hesitation. Yeah. Like, Ben was smart not to publicize any of that. And I think Ben probably looked around and said, "I don't know. I, I look. Detroit's treated me well. I could probably up my stock one more year." But yeah, that's a point about you know making the firings now. But the counterpoint to that, some would say, if you fire everybody now, who's going to want to? Well, come I don't here? want anyone fired now. I'm, I'm waiting until the end of the year. Yeah, I'm in the year too. But I'm saying at the end of the year, who's going to come here? Well, I'll tell you who's going to come here: the guy who takes the twenty million dollar check from the third richest owner in the in the world in this league. And if Tepper continues to, to dole out the money for the product, look, he made a big investment in this staff. At the time, I liked a lot of the names. 
but none of these guys really work together. And I think you're seeing it more on the offensive side. you got guys on defense like Burt Watts and others and uh, the linebacker coach's name, the guy that's like eight feet tall, that uh, Peter Hansen. They work together. There's more continuity on defense. Tabor's got this return unit looking great. I mean, hell, the Blackshear and, and, and Smith-Marset are, are getting it done there, and it's like nobody gives a shit because the offense is just sitting here in neutral, and there's no hope that it's getting better. You had that good opening quarter in Miami, and you just knew, okay, well, it's, it's eventually going to become a problem. Same thing with Detroit, and whether it's a Miles Sanders fumble, whether it's Bryce throwing a pick six, whether it's um, guys getting turned around in the offensive line, um, there's there. this is the least physical running game I've ever seen with this team, I'll tell you that. They're soft. And I'm not and saying that's the thing. I don't. I don't get it. Like you kept the same offensive line coach. Like what's you're running different. You're running a different personnel package. You're not running any of this. Like they ran the RB stuff last year. They're running two tight ends and the presentation of what they're breaking out there. It, it is. Um. It's. It's the same shit all the time. And Frank talked about it this week. Billy, that we are an 11 personnel team. Those were his words. He said we're going to create running lanes in the running game through 11 personnel. That's who we are. Okay, I mean, that could be a decor. Maybe that's who they are. Maybe that's truly what they do. Sean McVay is 11 personnel, but he's under center, and it's a much different type of 11 personnel. I don't want to get too caught up in this, but all I see is three wides out there that get no separation, and Bryce running for his life. And it's that's not to oversimplify it. It's just um, I've seen some bad offenses, man. You have two over the years. This this is right up there with them and makes it hard to, to give fans hope. But um, Yeah, yeah, I don't know what, what that situation is going to be like. I mean, I'm... It, it's very grim right now and and that's the thing like i can't i, I can't uh, with 100 percent conviction say that the quarterback is going to be better or the team is going to be better because i just don't know and that's the troubling thing because you just as much as people want to believe in certain players or coaches it's at a stage now where it's very cloudy because you just don't know how they're going to respond from an organizational standpoint and and look this game against dallas i don't think it matters in the grand scheme of things it's just another game but when you trade all those assets and a very good wide receiver for the number one overall pick and that pick is um most likely at this stage going to be a 2024 number one overall pick, or at worst, a number three overall pick. Yeah, Drake May, Caleb Williams. Everything should be on the table from firing the coaches to firing the general manager and firing both, or to potentially the owner selling the team. It's just yeah, crazy know. how bad things are, and and that's the thing. When the owner starts getting involved, that makes me nervous. Yeah, and, and there was a very good podcast that I heard a couple, like maybe about a month ago. Um, and, and you heard this too, where um, you know Frank Reich explained that some of his meetings with David Tepper um, are, can, could be—they're not fun and they're animated. That was like the first crack that was an because you don't call out—you don't call out an owner like that in a press conference. Nope, that was an eye opener. And I think Frank. He doesn't look happy. Maybe I'm just misreading him. I see him a little bit around the building. He's nice. He's cordial. But this is not a happy place for him. He's not used to being a part of this type of poverty in terms of being... And I, I use that word in a football sense. They're 1-8, and eight, Billy. Let's examine that for a minute. This team is 1-8. and eight. How many times in this franchise's history? What was it 1998? I remember that. 2001? And we can go through the two or three years where this has happened. But even when you look back at the Fox year, and we talked about this, there was some degree of turning the corner hope. 
2001, you knew Seifert was out, and you knew unless Jerry screwed up and hired Spurrier, which he, thank God, didn't, you get some competency in there. And, you know, Foxy came in and, and got that team rolling, and they played some good ball for a while. And then Rivera came in, and they got Newton in the building, and they actually you know, talked to Auburn and said, here's some things we can do to help you out and, and run it with your Eric Coriel. And he went out and threw 400-yard pass. It's, it's like Bryce cannot get off the runway. And then the narrative becomes he's too small to play. And that's not an unfair narrative because it can overwhelm any quarterback in this league. I'm surprised he hasn't gotten hurt yet. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, shit, run the ball. Run the damn ball and be a little more balanced and create some physicality within your offense that puts the defense in a bit of a bind. Um, fans will always come back if you start winning, but this is the worst stretch of Panthers football in history. It's the worst. It's, it's been that way since 2018 when Cam got his shoulder blown out, and it's it's frustrating for, for fans that you know and that I know, and you and I care a lot about this team, and that's the hard part. And does David Tepper care as much as we do about it? Does he? Um, traveling caravan, he's there on pro day. He's right in there. Who is he holding accountable for that? Did, did, did he should he hold himself accountable. Well, he should. He doesn't even not, mind the draft, the war room stuff. Every owner does that. But fine. I agree with you. I, the war room's fine, but you know what I mean. Like the the it's traveling it, to pro days, having his wife watch offensive line drills. Like what what is going well, on? I, to be fair to Nicole, I have no idea what she was doing out there. Maybe there was a charity thing. I have no idea. But it was optics that were weird. And yeah, it, but she's traveling to pro days too. She's that's a fair point. And and when people see that headline on Twitter, um. There's a lack of awareness there. We saw Tepper last year say, get out of the basement. Get out of the, and, you know, it's like, who are you talking to? Seriously. You know, you're talking to fans on Twitter that are frustrated that their team that, that once held the, the Hallis Trophy and went 15-1 and one are now dealing with this crap? This is part of it. And Tepper's a tough guy who was in a tough business, and that's how he made his nut. It's, well, we look, it's, you're one and eight. You're the worst football team in the NFL right now. And you have no first-round pick. And, and I'll just say this. This is what I'll conclude with here. Yeah, it looks very, very troubling when you put a scapegoat out in your organization like Thomas Brown. And horrible look. It's a horrible look for Thomas Brown. And again, you can sit here and have issues with his game planning, but it's not his game. They did the same thing. He did the same thing last year with Steve Wilkes, and clearly Wilkes was not even a serious consideration for him because he couldn't wait to hire someone else. Agreed. And. It sort of was the same thing when Rivera got fired and he brought in Perry Fuel to be the interim head coach. I'm just telling you, that's what it looks like from the outside. And I'm not suggesting anything nefarious, but he needs to be more cognizant as an owner of what is going on in his organization from an optics standpoint and most of all from totally. just an administrative area as well. What they need to fucking do is start winning some games because when they win games, nobody talks about this shit. This is what we've done for four years. All we do is sit around and talk about this bullshit that doesn't have a goddamn thing to do with the game of football. It's all, well, what's happening behind the scenes? Ooh, oh, draft capital. Ooh, ooh, how's this trade? Let's grade. I'm sick of it, man, and I'm sick for the fans because it leads to apathy, and then it circles back around to just absolute frustration. I'll be there on Sunday. I'll be in the press box, thank God, because there's going to be 70,000 Cowboys fans in their jean shorts. Hello, salesman out there. I know you're listening. Um, I This game, I mean, a final thought, I, I don't see an opportunity for this team to beat Dallas. They're so good. They're not great on the road, but it, what could they That's do? That's the only chance you have is, is the fact that they're not good on the road. And run the ball, maybe. They're not great against the road. They lost to the Cardinals, but the Cardinals, I would argue, are a much more cohesive operation at this standpoint. Well. 
Yeah, I'm I'm glad we caught up, Billy. I missed this so much. <laughs> I, I needed yeah, some look, Billy I mean, time. It, it's, it is what it is. I, I'm not going to tell anyone, um, you know, where to go. I, I'll just say this. I mean, things are very bleak right now. They might win a game or two to close the year, but um, I, I think you and I are going to be having very similar conversations um, when Week 17 ends, and we're kind of figuring out where this organization is going. Because again, they don't own that. They don't own their first round pick. Um, and just looking forward, they're in a very precarious situation um, just as far as their resources are concerned to rebuild this football team. And yeah. let's be honest, this is not a rebuild. The, oh, hey. the, Maybe take what Ross Tucker even... Ross Tucker today on Dan Patrick said, Bill Belichick, either going to D.C. or Carolina. And then Florio echoed it. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't see Belichick working for this owner. Anymore. I agree totally. Um Alpha, alpha. Billy, I know you got to run, man. This was fun, bud. Yeah. Thanks again, everyone. Um, <laughs> really appreciate everyone listening. Uh, try to do these more consistently, yeah, but man. had to get this one out for you guys. So uh, take care, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.